Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Duke Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, across the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning and welcome to it. It is hump day, middle of the week. We could see Firearms Friday from here. It is Wednesday, but today is a special day. Today we're going to be getting into it and talking with two guests at the same time. In fact, it is the debate for House District 7. Uh, we're going to be joined here in just a hot second by uh, Ron Gillum and Justin Ruffridge, who are both vying for the seat down there on the Kenai Peninsula. And we're going to have uh, some discussions and topics with them. We're going to go through all that here in just a second. The details, the rules, and how we're going to be how we're going to be doing this <clears throat> to be fair and equitable and uh, cover all the topics that I think are important here for uh, folks who are living down in the peninsula and in the whole state of Alaska as well. So that's uh, coming up here in just a second. We're going to get into the details of that. First things first, I want to say thank you to uh, today's sponsor of the program for the uh, for the whole situation, and that is our friends over there at Satellite West. You can find them at SatelliteWest.com when it comes to communication needs across the state of Alaska. Doesn't matter where you are, Kodiak to Kaparik, they can find you a connection to uh, whatever kind of communication you need, whether it's a, a phone call or an email or a text message, or you just want to surf the internet in somewhere in the White Mountains. You could do it. You could do it. They've got the devices and the connectivity to make it happen for you. It is Satellite West. You can find them again at SatelliteWest.com. Special thank you to them for sponsoring the program for today, all two hours of the program uh, this morning as we uh, get ready to go along. All right, so uh, we are going to get into it here in just a second. I'm going to bring on the program both of our guests who are sitting in the green room, both Justin Ruffridge and Ron Gillum, uh, now sitting in the green room, and we're going to go over this. This is, uh, I mean, I'm not I'm not styling myself some kind of great moderator or anything else. I'm going to do the Lincoln Douglas style. Of... I basically have laid out uh, for myself and for the guests uh, kind of uh, just a timeline of what we're going to be doing. Uh, we're going to be starting with opening statements from each guest, and then we're going to go through a series of issues that I believe are important to people, including priorities and the caucusing and the PFD and the size and scope of government and proposed cuts and revenues, the CONCON. We're going to touch on the Charter of Changes, and we're actually, in Hour 2, going to be taking some questions from the audience for the, um, uh, for the guests. Um, and we'll give both of them a chance to answer. So if you're asking a question, make sure it's a question that 
you know, can be answered by both guests. Um, I have a hard and fast rule around here. Uh, we will treat guests with respect on questioning or anything else. We won't have time for a whole lot of questions, but we will try to get to as many as we can. Um, but if you are rude or abusive in any way, uh, bye bye, you'll be gone, right? So we're going to keep all that ready to go, and we're going to get it to, and then we're going to give them a chance for opening state or for closing statements and and everything else. So we're going to test drive this as we go through. Now, <clears throat> let me uh, let me go ahead and uh, bring uh, both guests into the. Uh, into the uh, into the broadcast here this morning, uh, since they're both sitting there. I see Ron is ready. Justin is. Uh, I saw him a second ago, but he is. Uh, oh, there we are. We're both in there. Okay, so everybody's ready. Uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna add everybody up into the uh, stream here, and we're gonna start uh, we're gonna start fresh this morning and get things uh, ready to go. Uh, good morning, uh, gentlemen. Uh, thanks, sir. Whoops, we lost Justin all of a sudden. He's just disappeared. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Welcome to the program. Thanks for coming on board. I appreciate you guys being part of it today. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, all right. Uh, so here's how it's going to work. I've given, I've sent, I've posted the um, a list of the of the kind of the questions and the topics that we're going to cover. And for the most part, I'm giving each of you three minutes to respond. Um, you will see on the um, you will see on your screen a um, a timer. So you could see the timer and uh, you'll let it know. Uh, but what it'll give you is it will give you a 10 second warning that will sound uh, a lot like this when you get the 10 second warning. And that means you have 10 seconds to finish up your thought before I kind of shut everything down for you. Okay. So you'll be both have both the visual and the audio aid uh, to, uh, uh, to, to get the heads up on that. And we will continue on here uh, and we'll get things started. So um, I guess that's it. That's all the rules. Um, uh, we're going to try and just make this as simple and easy and congenial as possible. And we're going to get things ready to uh, rock and roll. Um, I kind of flipped a coin uh, here in the background to get things started, and we're going to start off this morning uh, with uh, Justin Ch uh, Ruffridge, <laughs> the challenger uh, uh, for the seat. Uh, Ron Gillum is the incumbent, uh, and we're going to start off with Justin, and we're just going to kind of give you, you know, opening statements. And it could be who you are, where you are, where you offer, what you offer, or it could be something along the lines of, "Here's my vision. Here's what I want to do." So we're going to start off there. Justin, you've got the floor, and we're going to give you. Uh, we're going to give you uh, three minutes to uh, uh, to kick things off here. So uh, let's get started. Uh, let's get started with you. Well, uh, first of all, uh, thank you, uh, Michael, for this opportunity to be on your show today. I'm not sure how many of your listeners uh, have been following my Facebook account, uh, but debating uh, and um, having this head-to-head -head conversation has been something I've been asking for for uh, for months. So I am really excited about um, this opportunity today. And thank you for being the moderator and the host of this. And thank you for your listeners to tuning in. Uh, I believe that this is the job. Uh, this is what you are required to do uh, as a representative is be able to take ideas, uh, to be able to um, condense those ideas down into, into recognizable thoughts be able to communicate those well to each other, uh, as well as communicate those to the general public. And um, I believe that uh, debate is the best way to show that. So um, that's uh, 
one of the reasons I've been asking for this to happen for quite some time. I'd also like to thank my opponent uh, for being on here today and for organizing, um, you know, uh, this debate with uh, with Mr. Dukes. And uh, I think it's uh, it shows a lot of uh, a lot of intent to do uh, things right. And I appreciate that very much. So a little bit about me again. My name is Justin Ruffridge. I uh, grew up on the Kenai area here. I moved uh, up to Alaska with my parents when I was nine years old. Uh, both of my parents uh, were Christian school teachers um, and uh, taught here locally at a uh, at a small Christian school called Wings Christian Academy. Uh, that is the school that I graduated from uh, with the graduating class of, I believe it was three people. So large graduating class since it was only a school of 36 kids, K through 12. Uh, after graduation, I went away to school, ended up at Washington State University uh, for six years. Ended up graduating from there with a doctor of pharmacy degree in 2008. Uh, moved back to the Kenai Peninsula to begin working and um, got a job at uh, Soldatna Professional Pharmacy with uh, the owner and founder of that pharmacy, uh, Mr. Hodel. Um, it was a great job, uh, really learned a lot. And uh, uh, Mr. Hodel was a great mentor um, and uh, ended up, uh, Mr. Hodel uh, wanted to sell that pharmacy. Uh, he sold it to an outside group of individuals from Washington. And uh, long story short, that uh, as you kind of can imagine, with folks in Alaska, they don't uh, like outside uh, ownership of things. And so in 2018, uh, I was able to um, uh, buy into the business uh, and now co-own that with a business partner of mine. Um, and I have, uh, I have the opportunity of owning that store and two others in Alaska. I have a wife of 18 years and two kids. And uh, I would uh, be here today and talk with you folks. All right. That is uh, Justin Ruffridge, uh, candidate for uh, House District 7. We move over to uh, Ron Gillum, uh, who is currently the incumbent. Ron, you got to uh, give us your opening statements here. Hey, good morning, Michael. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. So um, I've been in Alaska for roughly 39 years, and uh, I've got a wife, two kids, four grandkids. And um, I was a business owner for over 30 years. Uh, here on the peninsula with a charter business, um, very successful, just kind of got tired of the politics of it and decided to give it up and then got into politics. But my wife and I have been married as of next month, 42 years, uh, which I'm proud of that. Um, my whole time in Alaska has been in Soledadna. I love this town. I love the people in it. It's um, had my son one time asked me, is there anybody you don't know? I said, not yet. So um, it's a great place to raise a family. Um, I spent 16 years working for VECO. Then I moved over and went to work for ASRC, spent 16 years there. Of course, the last two years I've been working for the people of Alaska down in Juneau. Um, Alaska is just a, a, a great state. And, uh, you know, I want to do what I can to preserve and give my grandkids the opportunity that I had. And, and the way we're going, it's not going to happen. So, um, you know, as a representative, I have to represent everybody. We have a very diverse economy on the peninsula with commercial fishing, 
sport fishing and the uh, personal use. And that is a very difficult thing to to try to represent because each group is very firm on their stance. But uh, you know, it's something that we have to do. And so I, I kind of get beat up a lot from both sides. But you know, and like I said, I I have to represent both sides, and uh, I enjoy. I've enjoyed the being a representative. Um, not something that I had ever planned on doing, but uh, the people that I work with are some of the great people in the state, and uh, you know, it's. I'm just looking forward to going back to Gino and being and representing him for another two years. So, um, don't think I'll need the full <laughs> three minutes, but all right. Uh, <laughs> well, then we'll continue. We'll continue, Michael. All right. Well, we'll continue on here then, and we'll start off uh, again this time with uh, Ron Gillum um, as we flop back and forth. Uh, Ron, as you go back to Juno, um, and this will be the same question for Justin. Uh, but as you go as you go down to Juno and you face off in this session this next year, what are your priorities as you uh, as you look at the state of the state, what we're doing with the budgets, the crises we're facing both uh, statewide and nationally that have ramifications? What are going to be the priorities as a legislator that you are going to be tackling? Um, uh, in this upcoming session and in the rest of the term? What what are going to be the priorities, uh, as few or as many as you feel like you need to uh, put out there? We'd love to hear what exactly it is that uh, that you're, uh, you're going to be focusing on. So when I went to Juno, it was basically over the dividend. Um, my grandkids were getting 50% taxed on their dividend. But once I got there, I got onto the education committee and the resources committee. Well, Alaska is a resource state. And so my priorities going back is going to get the state opened up for for extracting our resources. Um, We did a lot with uh, oil search and Repsol to help them open up the uh, PICA project. There's not a lot we can do. Uh, with the Willow Project, because that's on federal land. But PICA is all on state land. So we've done a lot to, you know, writing letters, phone calls and stuff, just to keep them moving forward. And they just, you know, they did decide to keep going and open up their their project. Um, in education, I believe that parents know more of what their kids need than what the state, you know, than the state. So I think the money should follow the child. And that is going to be a very important thing to me is to try to help the parents get the funding to either homeschool or send their kids to private school because not everybody can afford to send their kids to private school. And uh, you know, we need a public education, but we need an, an education system that will help our kids and not help NEA, you know, not help a system. So one of my priorities, I guess a major priority, is getting our education system fixed. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big advocate for trade schools. And, uh, you know, like I said, we are a resource state. And I don't think you need a college degree to drive a truck or 
you know, run a crane. And I think kids should go to trade schools and, and, um, you know, they can come out of high school and be making 60, 70, $80,000 a year without having any kind of, of debt to the college. So, you know, that's one, like one of my major, major things is getting the money to follow the child, fix our education system and stop this radical push to indoctrinate our kids. All right, Ron Gillum, uh, our guest here, along with Justin Ruffridge, we're in the middle of uh, a question right now. Uh, Justin, I'm going to ask you to bear with me. We are up against a commercial break. I'm a bit of a slave to the clock, so we'll re-ask the question on the other side. And we will continue in just a moment with more. Our debate between candidates for District 6, Justin Ruffridge and Ron Gillum. We will continue in just a moment. It is the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-Based Free Thinking Radio, back with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free, like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, uh, we are in the break right now here. Both Justin Ruffridge and Ron Gillum uh, still with us in the guest. And, and quite surprisingly, this is the one part that I didn't think about. What are we going to talk about during the commercial breaks outside of the uh, debate? Uh, so first and foremost, let me uh, let me leave both candidates uh, in the lurch for just a second here. We're going to have them hang out with us uh, here as we go through this. Uh, I do want to remind listeners uh, in the chat room that uh, you would do me a huge favor by uh, sharing this show uh, this morning. We actually only have 45, 50 people watching between Facebook and YouTube. Usually we're a little bit uh, usually we're a little bit larger this morning, so I don't know. A lot, I saw several people comment that they got no notification from Facebook this morning, which again is why I encourage you, if you're a Facebook watcher, to still go over to YouTube, to my YouTube channel, and make sure that you subscribe and ring the bell over there. Because even if it just means that you want to come back to YouTube or uh, to Facebook to watch it, you at least are sure you're going to get notifications, right? I mean, that's the whole point, the whole point. And you could follow us on Twitch if you want to create a Twitch account as well. And that, that and you'll have three notifications to make sure that you're covered this morning. So whatever you want to do, that's what uh, that's what I'd love to do. I've gone ahead and I put the... Uh, uh, link in the chat room to the YouTube channel. You just go over there, you hit the subscribe button, and you ring the bell to make sure that you get notifications. And you can just say, every time we go live, you want to get a notification, and that's fine. Um, but that way, I notice again, several people who said they had no Facebook notifications. In fact, what did Brian said? No notifications this morning. I demand an investigation, show trials. This is a threat to our democracy. Yes, I'm sure it is. But see, if you get a YouTube, uh, if you go to your YouTube and subscribe to the channel there, you'll get a notification from somewhere, at least. Uh, and make sure that you do that. Uh, you do that as well. 
Um, all right. So uh, we're about uh, three minutes. We might do in the next uh, commercial break, we'll probably do a, what you know, like a bonus round segment for like maybe a two minute answer for something that I haven't put on the list uh, because we have about a five and a half, six minute break there. So we'll get a chance to ask a quick question and get maybe a two minute response from each candidate uh, that unfortunately the people on the radio won't hear. But that's OK. We'll be available on the podcast uh, later on in the morning. Don't forget coming up tomorrow on the program. Uh, we're going to have um, David Nelson from Anchorage uh, running for state house in Anchorage, as well as Senator Mia Costello uh, coming on board to talk about her run and candidacy for office. Next week, Reuben McNeil, Delana Johnson, Forrest Wolf, Liz Vasquez, Kevin McKinley, and more. So again, and I mean, we are three weeks away, folks, three weeks away from all this madness being over and we can get back to our normally scheduled live. Although I did say I had no idea what I would be talking about after the elections, because this has given us a good excuse to get a chance and and get a uh, um, and, you know, to, to talk with uh, our elected representatives or those who would be our elected representatives. Um, and so that has actually given me a good idea to talk about here in the next, uh, in the next commercial break already. So we'll, uh, we'll remember that, just lock that in and we'll come back to that here in a second. Also, don't forget this weekend, if you're in the Fairbanks area or the surrounding environs, it is going to be the Go Winter Expo at the Carlson Center. And I will be up in Fairbanks this weekend, uh, being part of that. Uh, we've got the Interior Alaska Gun Show off to the side, benefiting Alaskans for wildlife co- uh, uh, conservation. And um, it's going to be a fun time. So if you got nothing else going on this weekend and you're up in the interior or up in near that area, make sure that you uh, putter on over to Fairbanks and uh, join us at the Carlson Center. Uh, it'll be 10 to 6 on uh, 10 to 6 on Saturday, 11 to 5 on Sunday, and then I will be back here bright and early Monday morning for the show uh, at 6 a.m. on Monday. So it's going to be a busy, busy weekend. I, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun stuff. So uh, make sure you come on over and join us. All right. Again, like and share, like and share, like and follow. Do all the stuff that you would like to do. And uh, don't forget that coming up in hour two, we will be taking some phone calls for the guests and the candidates. See, even I have to deal with the ding because the ding reminds me we're about to jump back into it on the radio. <clears throat> okay, so like I said, like a chair, like a chair, like a chair. Let's get to it. The Michael Duke Show Common Sense Radio. All right, welcome back to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show. Special day today. Two candidates up in the uh, in the queue here. We're talking with both Ron Gillum, uh, who is the incumbent in District Seven, House District Seven, down in the Peninsula, and the challenger, Justin Ruffridge, as well. A little bit of a debate format going back and forth here. Right before we went to break, we asked a question about priorities. Uh, you know, what are your priorities as you go into the legislative session 
this next one and the rest of your term, what are going to be the things that you focus on uh, that you believe are important for your constituency and for the state of Alaska? Uh, Ron got a chance to answer, but we ran out the clock before we uh, got back to it. So now we're asking the same question of Justin Ruffridge. Justin, what you know? What are your priorities going down there? Uh, if you end up uh, as the uh, representative, what are you going to be focusing on? What do you think is important, uh, et cetera, et cetera? Now is uh, your time to shine, my friend. It's uh, it's up to you. Uh, well, thank you. Um, you know, my opponent stated in his opening remarks uh, that he wanted to represent everybody, uh, and that included people that didn't vote for him. Um, and I have to say that one of my priorities is part of the reason why I chose to run, which is truly to represent everybody because that is the job. Um, I have a list of about 10 um, different bills that were passed by the majority of House members, 30 or higher, as well as the majority of the Senate, 18 or higher, uh, that my opponent voted against. And I'm not certain why that uh, existed. In truth, I actually attempted to contact uh, my opponent um, in last session in order to find out why uh, he voted against one of the bills that I was uh, attempting to uh, lobby for and legislate um, uh, with and uh, and couldn't get a response. And so uh, for myself, I felt like I wasn't being represented. And so I, uh, I did obviously some complaining as uh, men do to their wives and uh and then uh heard from her you know um maybe you should go try to uh, change some of that so um you know that was um that was a good good uh experience uh here in this house uh talking that back and forth and deciding to run in in the process of running what i've found is that priorities um are very consistent across the board i've been doing a lot of door-to-door -door and a lot of talking with people and the truth is, is people have very, very, very um, similar priorities. The first thing that they want is a fiscal plan. They absolutely want the legislature to be stubborn and to say, we are not going to budge until we have a plan to fund state government uh, in a reasonable fashion going forward. They want a plan. They want to see how this thing works for 20 years, 30 years, 50 years. They want to see how it works if oil prices are low and if oil prices are high, what we choose to do with the money. Um, they want to see a state that's, that saves money. They also want to see a state that prioritizes our education of children. Um, and I think, you know, we hear a lot about fixing education. Um, and our state certainly fares poorly on some testing uh, across the nation. But at the same time, I think one of the biggest ways to do that is to communicate to people who are in, on the boot, boots on the ground. Uh, and that's something I've been doing a lot of. And I think that's a huge priority. How about we bring some teachers in? I think local control of education is a priority. And I think uh, the legislature has a lot of unfunded mandates. That's something that I'm against. Um, my opponent actually had a number of education bills during last session. All of them essentially mandates that were unfunded about what teachers needed to teach, should teach, or how they should teach it. That's not the way to fix education is by telling people what to do and how to do it. And that's not something I stand for. 
Uh, all right. <clears throat> Thank you very much, Justin Ruffridge, uh, again, uh, answering our questions here. We come back now to the next uh, of our questions, and that is the question of caucusing. We, of course, saw what happened. One of the reasons why I think that uh, Ron uh, decided to uh, to run and, and make a, a push for House was, of course, the big debacle that we had earlier on with the previous representative uh, you know, a month to organize, fighting it out back and forth, caucusing, uh, trying to make a bipartisan caucus, or do we do a full Republican caucus? You guys are both Republicans. So the question is, and we'll start with Justin again this time, what is, uh, you know, what is your position on caucusing? Will you stick with the uh, Republican uh, majority or minority, as the case may be, or would you go across the aisle and work with a bipartisan coalition that we've seen uh, that's been formed over the last couple sessions? What your position on caucusing and uh, should we, you know, stay strong or should we find some way to bridge and compromise across the aisle? Justin Ruffridge, uh, you get to start here. Uh, thank you. Uh, you know, I know that this is a, actually a huge place where I get uh, um, a lot of pushback from from my opponent. Uh, the truth is, is that I plan on caucusing with the party of which I belong. Um, and the Republican party is my party. It's been my party since I was old enough to vote. Um, so been my party for my entire adult life. Um, and I think part of the reason why we struggle so much as Republicans is because we consistently find ways to, uh, shoot ourselves in the foot. The truth is, is we had a Republican majority, uh, in the last session and somehow, some way, found a way to mess that up. Uh, and that's been consistently um, the, the process by which Republicans uh, do business. And I'm, I'm frankly quite over that. Um, I think it's our job as legislators to find ways to work together uh, within our caucus. And regardless of personality conflicts or difficult people, um, we were sent there to do a job and our job is to legislate and to build a budget, a budget that works. And we need to do that and, and put aside petty differences in order to work together as Republicans. That being said, I think one of the biggest things that would be important going into this session is a, like I said before, a stubborn group of people. It doesn't take a lot. It takes a, a group of people. And I, I pray that it's Republican people that look at a fiscal plan and say, we must make a fiscal plan. It has to happen. Um, and you bring those people together and say, we will not move on another bill. We will not do another action item until we have a fiscal plan. That fiscal plan needs to include a biannual budget. We need to stop fighting about the budget every year. It's nonsense. It's a waste of time. And we need to have that, we need to have that finished and done. And we need to present that to the people of Alaska so that the people of Alaska have confidence that we are doing our job. Um, we also need to be able to get our session done in 90 days. I think that the best way to do that is to organize quickly, which means, again, putting aside petty differences and getting work done. One of my biggest fears going into this session would be that we have a Republican majority and have this exact same issue that's happened for the last session happen again. Um, my opponent was part of that last session and in fact was um, part of uh, kicking out a member of the minority caucus. Um, and I understand there's probably reasons for that, but I wish that I could hear those reasons 
I also wish I could find out why they were unable to work together or bring people together and elect a speaker of the house uh, and put people in charge that would be Republican led and Republican majority. All right. I'm going to exercise my moderator priority here or prerogative uh, because um, uh, that was well and good, but I didn't really get a question or didn't get an answer on whether or not you would stick strictly with a Republican because you're talking about people shooting and, and shooting themselves and doing it, which I agree with. But the question is, will you stick with a Republican majority or minority or would you bridge across the aisle and work with a coalition of Democrats, independents and Republicans on the other side? What's uh, uh, you know, give me a give me a quick answer here. Thank you. Yes, I would stick with the Republican majority or minority. Uh, it would be my preference that we have a, a group who are absolutely stubborn on fiscal planning. All right, Justin Ruffridge's uh, answer, and that brings us over to Ron. Same question, Ron. Um, we've seen, you know, we we've seen what you've done in the past, but I just want your perspective and pro- and uh, prerogative, and maybe your answer on the questions about caucusing and coming together, uh, you know, as a group, and whether you would stick with that or uh, whether you would uh, bridge across the aisle, so to speak, with the uh, with the bipartisan uh, majority in the House. Uh, it's your turn. Yeah, uh, you watched me in the last couple of sessions. I did not go and join the uh, majority, uh, even though we had a majority of Republicans in the in the House. You know, some of them went to the other side and gave the control to the Democrats. Um, we have what's called a rule of 21, 21 people rule. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if we have. 30 Republicans, if 11 of them go to the Democrat side, that's who controls it. So, you know, I gave my word. I will not caucus with the, uh, the Democrat side. Now, that's not saying that I won't work with them. Um, Ivy Sponholtz had the telehealth bill, which was a great bill for Alaska. I was a second person that signed on to that as a co-sponsor, and it did pass. So working together is one thing, giving the control to the, the majority, the Democrat majority is a whole different ball game. And uh, like I said, I gave my word, I will not do that. And I don't plan on doing that. And, uh, you know, I was accused of, of choosing to be in a minority. No, I chose to keep my word. And that's what I will do. I will keep my word. And uh, I didn't, the only promise that I made was I would not join a binding caucus, which is what the Democrats had, and I did not do that. So uh, I will say one thing that if people want to understand kind of what your allegiances are, go look at APOC reports. Mine are all Republicans and they're all local people. So uh, I said, I'm not going to take the three minutes here. Um, I will not join that binding caucus, which has caused issues. And, uh, you know, that, that is something that needs to go. So um, I uh, firmly believe we're going to go back with a Republican majority who will work together and uh, you know, get rid of this binding caucus. And the rule of 21 will be on our side, not the others. Ron Gillum, thank you so much. Uh, we move on over to now our next set of questions, which to me is one of the biggest issues uh, that we're facing in the state and have been facing for quite some time. Uh, and that is the question of the PFD. 
Uh, it's been treated as a volleyball, kicked back and forth across the net. Uh, I'm actually going to give you a tease for the question, and then we're going to take a break, and we'll come back and repeat it. Uh, but our because we're up against the break here. Um, but uh, the question is. The PFD. Where do you stand on the PFD? Full statutory, back pay, POMV, 50-50, 25-75. What are your positions on this? We're going to start with Ron Gillum in just a minute when we return because we are up against the break. Um, I thought I had timed all this out. We're going to have a hard time getting to all our questions, but we're going to do it. We're going to do it. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We could turn, we return, rather, with uh, Ron Gillum and Justin Ruffridge, our debate for District 7. We'll be back with more here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. What is that? Common Sense. Regularly heard on American radio. Michael Duke Show. Okay, uh, we are in the break right now. Uh, commercial break is rolling, and uh, quite honestly, I'd already forgotten about what I was going to ask them uh, during the commercial break because, uh, well, you know, uh, I got the brain like the sponge this morning uh, with very little coffee in me. Um, I want to talk for just a second, though. Uh, let me uh, pull down here on the uh, on the timer. Um, I, I do want to talk for just a minute about um, support and who's supporting whom. Uh, that is an issue that I did not have on the list, uh, gentlemen, but I know that there's been a lot of questions about who's being supported by whom and, and different donations. And, of course, there's always the assertion that whoever is funding you is the ones that you'll be beholding to um, later on. Ron just mentioned, uh, again, his APOC report. I know, Justin, there's been a lot of questions about that, specifically because you've received some support from unions and others. Uh, so let's talk for a minute about those who are supporting you, and do you feel like that makes you beholden to those people as uh, we go through? Uh, so I'll give you a couple minutes here, and uh, you get a shot at that. Well, thank you for that question, and I appreciate the opportunity to uh, provide some clarity. The, the truth is, is that that uh, introduction that my opponent gave about representing everybody is very true for me. Um, and you know, I don't, I don't have a, a closed donation tab on my website. Um, if people like what they hear and they want to donate to my, uh, my campaign, I'm not a person that says, no, you're not welcome here. Um, and I think one of the big reasons why I received some donations from public employees, as well as NEA, uh, is because of my stance on defined benefits. And I have not made any promises about defined benefits at all. What I think, though, is that there is a solution uh, to solving our retirement question in the state and why we're losing teachers to out of state by solving some of the retirement questions. Right now, teachers that retire here are not allowed to draw Social Security uh, or can't draw Social Security if they've only worked for the school district. Um, and they, uh, they have the defined contribution which frankly, in a lot of cases, encourages them to go elsewhere after they've worked um, a good um, Alaska job for a little bit of time. You contrast that with teachers of the past under the tier one, tier two systems. they are people that have stayed here that uh, consistently, even after retirement, provide great things to our community. Now, I understand that the defined benefit plan did not work from a fiscal perspective. And so I think that there's room uh, to discuss how do we bring it back and how do we make it work? Do we make sure that benefits only start after someone turns 65? 
Do we ask them to work longer? Um, is there ways that we can bring that back? I'm asking about starting the conversation um, because if we don't fix that, uh, we're going to have an issue. And so, yeah, my APOC reflects the fact that I am willing to have those conversations. And I'm not saying no to talking with people from all different walks of life. And I think that's resonated with people. Uh, Ron, same question. Uh, your uh, your uh, supporters and how you feel about it and, uh, you know, any other comments on this uh, as we go through your turn. Go ahead. Ron, can you hear me? Yeah. Um, my APOC report is, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. You there? Go ahead, Ron. Okay. So, uh, no, I'm I'm proud of the people on my APOC report. So, can you hear me or am I muted? No, I can hear you. Go ahead. And Michael, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, anyway, um, no, I'm proud of the people on my APOC report. They're local people. Um I have very few from outside. I have one really good friend that uh, donated um, from South Carolina, him and his wife. But other than that, most of the money I receive is from local people here in the community. Um, you know, it's if you look at APOC reports, not just mine or my opponents, you look at others. And when you see names like Kathy Giesel, uh, Louise Stutes, Jonathan Christ Tompkins, you know, that's they expect something back. And, uh, you know, you can say what you want, but when your APOC report is full of, of, I guess you'd call them the majority, they are expecting to get back into that majority by bringing people into that fold. And, uh, you know, I don't have any of those on my APOC report. And like I said, I'm proud of that. So, and, and there again, I don't have a, a closed button. Anybody can donate to it, but they, they have seen my stance. They're not going to you know, talk me into joining them. So they don't, they don't try and, and uh, fund me, and I'm fine, I'm good with that. Um, and just real quick on the, the losing teachers, teachers don't quit bad jobs; they quit bad administrations, and that's what's going on. I've done a lot of studying, and that's the issue with teachers leaving. It's not the retirement; it is a bad administration, and that's what's causing teachers to leave. All right, Ron Gillum, uh, thank you so much. That takes us back to uh, almost rejoining the radio here in just a hot second. Again, special thanks to Satellite West for sponsoring this hour of the program and giving us an opportunity to ask questions. And that ding is for me, not for everybody else. To remind us we're getting ready to rejoin the radio, please like and share, folks. Like and share, like and follow. Let's uh, get things going on. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Here we go. All right, welcome back to the program. We're continuing now our debate for District 7 candidates. Uh, joining us right now, Ron Gillum and Justin Ruffridge. 
Uh, we're talking about our next topic, which is the PFD, the Permanent Fund Dividend, and how important that is to me, probably the number one issue that's been facing the state for the last seven or eight years. Um, we've seen the effect on the economy. We've seen what's happened uh, with its effect on the legislature and spending and how the crisis mode has been, uh, I think, abused in many ways. And so uh, we'll start off with Ron on this one and basically ask the question, Ron, what's your position on the PFD uh, and uh, both the PFD, is it statutory, 50-50, 75-25, the back pay, everything else? What is your take on this? Um, the floor is yours. Well, the, the dividend is what got me started into politics. And like I said earlier, when my grandkids were losing half of their income to uh, to government, that was wrong. The dividend, the permanent fund belongs to the people of Alaska. That's the way it was set up. We have on the Constitution, in the Constitution, it is set up how it is to be paid. And the back pay, the money is there. Very little was spent to be given to the people. That's who the money belongs to. And this year in particular, it would have helped so many people. But that rule of 21 kept it from happening. Um, if there's any changes to the to the the dividend plan, it should go to the people. Let them decide, not the bureaucrats, not the legislators. It belongs to the people. If they think it should be changed, then put it out to a vote. Let the people decide if they want to change it. The POMV, I think, is wrong. Um, it was put in without their consent, and it, it should go away. Um, like I said, I, I think the people know best, and you know it, that's who the money belongs to. And if, if they decide to change the formula, then put it out to a vote. Let the people vote on it. And that's that's where I stand. The people, the money belongs to the people. If any changes are made, it should go to a vote of the people. Uh, let me uh, for just quickly follow up since you have some time left. How about uh, the back pay or owing? I know some people have pushed for that. What are your thoughts on that? Well, the money's still there, so pay it back. And uh, it, it's you know, it's not like sure it's going to come out of the ERA. But it should have never been in the ERA in the first place. It should have been in the people's pocket. So it should be paid back. All right. Um, thank you, Ron Gillum. We'll go over to Justin. Same question, Justin, on the PFD. I know you say you've got a plan. You've got some things that you uh, want to talk about. But, you know, again, just what's the what's your take on the full statutory PFD, on what should be done with it? Is it POMV? Is it uh, you choose, they choose? Is it the 75-25, the 50-50? What, what's your take? Yeah, well, you know, this is a huge priority item. You got it absolutely right. And uh, what I hear from people going out door to door and uh, in other community settings is one simple phrase, follow the law or change the law. Uh, in truth, what I think that people have done is they've elected officials whose sole job, it is the job of the legislature. It's one of, I think, only two or three things we're responsible for, and that's setting a budget, a fiscal plan. Uh, if you notice a trend, um, in my dialogue today, it's that planning. It's needed. It's necessary. I think putting the PFD to the vote of the people is a cop out. Um, they elected us to do that job. And if we fail at making a budget and a fiscal plan, and then we have to, um, 
you know, steal money from the PFD in order to cover up that mistake, that's wrong. And that's why people are so upset. They're upset because legislators haven't done their job. Um, and I, I think we see um, that frustration starting to boil over. Um, and, and people are absolutely ready. I feel like people have been patient. They've just asked for simple, upfront honesty about how are we going to solve some of these issues. And it, re and it requires a fiscal plan. So on that note, uh, I'll transition a little bit to talk about we have to make some cuts. Um, I think as a healthcare provider, we have an I have an opportunity as one of would only be one or two members of the legislature as that's a healthcare uh, individual. I know how much our state is spending on healthcare, and I know there's a lot of ways that other states have actually cut their healthcare budget tremendously uh, by working through um, some of the issues that insurance companies bring into the state. Uh, the state of Ohio cut their budget by almost uh, $240 million in a year uh, by dealing with some of those issues. Um, this is not a quick fix. We've dug ourselves a hole. We're going to need to find people who are willing to dig in, roll up their sleeves, do the hard work, and present a plan to the governor. We have to do it. It's our job. And that's what we're elected to do. And if we were elected to do it and we didn't do it, then we should be unelected. And I think it's interesting, you know, my opponent talks about uh, the vote of the people and how the people are, are the voice and we need to, that people know best, I think was his exact words. But w I've been hearing, um, you know, him say over and over again that he has a bill drafted uh, for the legislature to repeal ranked choice voting. Now, I am not a fan of ranked choice voting, um, but that was a vote of the people, a very small vote and maybe a misinformed vote. but. Here we have the legislature thinking they're going to override the vote of the people. Bad precedent. I would be against that. If we're going to repeal ranked choice voting, we need to bring that back to the vote of the people. But as far as voting on the PFD, that is the job of the legislature, and we need to get that job done. Uh, let me have a follow-up then real quick on that because, uh, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about an advisory vote. If there's going to be a change to the permanent fund, just like there was in 1999, it's been suggested that we should have an advisory vote for a change to the PFD. You're saying that's a cop-out if we push to that. Are you saying there should be no advisory vote if we fundamentally change a PFD? No, there shouldn't. There shouldn't be an advisory vote because we haven't put forward a plan for people to advise us on. Um, the the truth is, is the reason that the PFD has been has been robbed for the last six years is because the state failed to write a budget that works. Um, and so, until the until the until the legislature is willing to do that, what is the people advising on? The people are going to be advising on, hey, do your job. That's that's the advisory vote but I'm that saying, I hear. But I'm saying if there is an if there is a change to the PFD, if there's a proposed change to the PFD formula, the people should not have an advisory vote on that, you're saying. I think if there's a proposed change, I'd be absolutely fine with an advisory vote, but it needs to be attached to a fiscal plan for how that thing's gonna work for the next twenty years. Um, all right, we're coming down to it. The POMV law was mentioned. I'm going to shrink the timer by a minute, guys, just because we're coming up against the top of the hour here. The POMV law, uh, Justin, you're up first here. Uh, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is it something that should be repealed? Your thoughts? And I think you're talking about Senate Bill 26 uh, when you're bringing up POMV yes. law. Um, Senate Bill 26 was uh, unfortunately um, not not clear. Um, I think one of the bigger issues that uh, Senate Bill 26 did not address 
uh, was a spending ta- uh, spending cap, uh, what the split of POMV would be. So it essentially just created an, a whole nother football uh, to be tossed back and forth. Uh, so Senate Bill 26 absolutely needs to be repealed. If we're going to make a fiscal plan, and I think at the time it was hailed as this, you know, we're starting on a fiscal plan and and uh, that, that it was progress. It, it doesn't seem like progress to me. I think we have an obligation to the people of Alaska to present a full plan, not a half plan, uh, a plan that includes what are we going to spend and why are we going to spend it and where are we going to get the money to spend the the the, the that that dollar amount. Um, and you know what? It's a hard question to answer. And that's why we're not getting clear answers. The days of the free lunch are over. Um, the high oil prices that just funded everything for the state, those days are gone. And now we're living in a roller coaster. The truth is, is our plan needs to probably be the plan that oil companies use in the state, which is how do we fund ourselves with an average price of oil at $45 a barrel? Uh, that's a that's a scary conversation, Michael. And I think your listeners are smart enough to know that's a scary conversation. We are going to have to have massive cuts. We're going to have to have people that are willing to dig in there and find the places we are overspending. I submit to you that it's healthcare. POMV doesn't fix the problem. POMV, all it does is, again, takes money out of the PFD to solve a problem that the legislature should have solved a long time ago and hasn't. Um, and I submit to you that I can go in and do that work because it's something I am good at. All right, Ron, same question, POMV. Uh, we actually have less than two minutes, but I, I know you're quick on this. So give me your thoughts. Yeah, SB 26 does definitely needs to go away. And there was bills that were put forward to rescind that, and they didn't go anywhere. We're back to that rule of 21. Um, you know, we didn't have the votes to bring it forward, and it, and it died. But, uh, you know, there again, it goes back to I will trust the people of the state and, uh, you know, and we need to follow the law. SB 26 tried to bypass what was already in the Constitution. And so SB, it does need to be repealed. It needs to go away. We need to go back to the original formula and, uh, you know, pay the PFD that way. As far as a fiscal plan, um, we had that. Ron, hold, hold the line, Ron. And, Ron. You know, Folks, we got to go. We'll right back. Smart. Sorry, Ron, go ahead and finish up. I'm sorry, we were up against the break. Go ahead. Oh, I understand. But Ben Carpenter is very smart. He had a plan put together that would fund everything. It left money on the table. Um, you know, we put money into savings. And there again, the rule of 21 overruled him. And we ended up losing. So they don't want a fiscal plan. I'm sorry. There's just no will to do that. And unfortunately, the, the dividend is used as a football to stop that. No matter what we do, what we come up with, they'll turn it over to the dividend and it shuts it, everything down. So we have to somehow get the dividend off of the table so we can get a fiscal plan. Because until that happens, it's not going to happen. Um, you know, we, the, the physical plan working group. Bipartisan. I mean, there was some of the hard left and hard right group. They came up with an idea that will work for everybody, and it got through a side, and they didn't pay any attention to it. So we have a way to go forward. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Excuse me. They just don't have political will to do it. 
All right. Uh, let's uh, continue on there. This is, again, one of our bonus rounds in the break. Uh, it's been mentioned already, and we're talking about uh, defined benefits. That seems to be the new battle cry for many in the moderate and left category is that we have to have defined benefits. It's the only way we'll retain teachers. Uh, so we're going to start with Ron this time. Ron, your thoughts on reinstating some kind of defined benefits program in the state of Alaska for teachers and first responders and what the possibilities are for that expanding down the road? Well, unfortunately, unfortunately, everywhere that they've had defined benefits, it's bankrupted the, the systems. So a defined contribution is works best. Say you have a teacher that works 15 years and they decide something happens. If it's on a defined benefit, then something happens and they have to leave the teaching uh, career, they lose that. So a defined contribution, they can take it with them. They can go wherever they want to go. Same way with the police, fire, they can take that retirement with them. A defined, a defined benefit, they can't take it with them unless they spend a full time in that job. And, you know, a lot of people change jobs. So they need to be able to, to take their retirement with them. Um, I've never had a defined benefit. I've always had a defined contribution and haven't moved a whole lot. but. Uh, you know, I've been able to take that retirement with me. So uh, I am not for the defined benefit. And uh, I, I think it's a bad deal. I think it could, a defined contribution is best. And as I said earlier, teachers are not leaving because of their retirement. They are leaving because of bad administration. I've looked at different studies, um, even NEA, one of their studies, UAA. Teachers are not leaving the system because of finances they're leaving because of bad administration that is that is by by uh nea uaa and other studies that i read uh all right ron gillum thank you very much justin ruffridge same question going back to defined benefits uh it's got its uh, pitfalls it's got you they say it's got its benefits your thoughts on defined benefits program for the state and what it would mean in the long run uh, well, I don't know if this is allowed by the moderator, but my opponent had 22 seconds left, and I'd like to ask him a question on his statement that it's not uh, it's not people leaving uh, because of retirement; it's because of bad administration. Uh, does does my opponent think that we have a bad administration in the KPBSD? Well, let's let I'm going to give you I'll give you guys questions and uh, for each other here near the end. Uh, let's do okay. that. Let's save that for the end. But so write it down and we'll come back to it. But your thoughts Understood. on Thank your you. your thoughts on defined benefits? Yeah, and, and I mean that that's uh, I'll tell you I don't think we have a bad administration in the KPBSD, and I'm not really certain what he's reading. But I'm talking to teachers, um, and I actually know personally seven people who have left the the state of Alaska because they uh, were teachers and they understood that their future here did not look well um, and that there were multiple places that they could go across the country and teach and have a retirement plan that made better sense for them and their families. That's tough to hear. It just is. Um, and those are facts. We, we can't we can't we can't steer ourselves away from facts. What I'm saying is that it's absolutely time that we have the conversation about uh, defined benefits. We had it in the last legislative session about uh, firefighters and public safety officers, and that that went places. 
because uh, you know that was seen as we got to keep those people on board, uh, and we got to have uh, the state be um, you know attractive to people for public safety. And they weren't wrong. We need to have that same conversation about our teachers as well. And um, you know, if if at the very least we don't solve the defined benefits uh, a conversation in the next couple of years, we certainly need to, to uh, eliminate the windfall um, uh, c concern uh, with social security. Uh, teachers need to be able to pay into that and have that as an option uh, when they retire as well. All right, gentlemen, as I said, if you have questions, make sure that you uh, write them down. We'll come to a question and answer. Uh, I was a little ambitious on my list of questions. We're going to shrink the time down to two minutes on each one of them going forward. I do want to take some phone calls and I want to have a chance for uh, the whole last segment is actually going to be closing statements and questions. So we're going to try and get to that real quick. Uh, so I'm going to pick and choose a couple of these com or these uh, pick and choose a couple of these uh uh, 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 po policies or issues that I've laid out here because this is obviously taking a little bit longer than I anticipated, which is fine. Uh, but uh, we're going to continue here in just a second. We're going to talk a bit about education funding up next. Um, and again, I'm going to cut just so that you guys know, I'm going to cut the time down to two minutes for responses because uh, I'd like to get through more of this as we go through. Folks, please like and share the show, like and follow the show page. Uh, make sure that you ring the bell on YouTube, subscribe, do all that stuff. Uh, and right now, make sure you share it with your friends, get more people involved in this conversation. It is the Michael Duke show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Time to jump back into it with the uh, hour two. Let's get it done. Thanks for joining us. We're going to continue with Ron Gillum and Justin Ruffridge in just a second. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you'll find all the links to our social medias and the live stream and more, plus across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. It is The Michael Duke Show, Hour 2. We're in the middle of a debate right now between Justin Ruffridge and Ron Gillum, both running for House District 7 uh, down on the peninsula. Special thanks to Satellite West for sponsoring the program today uh, and sponsoring the debate. You can find about them find out about them at satellitewest.com for all your communications needs across the state of Alaska. That's where you go and that's who you talk to. Uh, we're just joining again right now, going back to talk with uh, with uh, Justin Ruffridge and Ron Gillum, and we're going to jump into this now. Our discussion. Um, we're shortening the questions or the answer period just a little bit here, trying to squeeze some more in. So let's talk about education funding. The number two item in the budget. It is the second largest item in the budget. We've spent. 
spent exponentially ever-increasing amounts of education in this state uh, over the last 20 years. We continue to have I mean, we're 48th, we're 49th, we're 50th on math, reading, science. Uh, we have a one in four uh, students just outright fail. They don't even graduate. And those that do graduate are required to take remedial courses, to be able to take simple college, 100-level math courses, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I mean, this is a kind of a crisis. Uh, but is the answer just more education funding, or does something need to fundamentally change? Uh, we start off here with uh, Justin Ruffridge. Uh, his answer, Justin, uh, what say you uh, on this? Yeah, something does need to change. And, and one of the things that we've uh, seen um, as coming forward as a plan, I think would, would be really helpful. And that is um, reducing the number of, uh, of school districts that we have in the state. Uh, we have a lot of those right now. I think that uh, as a result, we pay for a lot of administrative costs. But one of the things we have to realize is that our state is huge. Um, it's bigger than a lot of countries. And so um, if we're trying to provide this, um, you know, uh, education program to every single um, sp spot on the map throughout this state, it probably is going to cost a lot of money to do so. Uh, that being said, I think our education budget uh, is doing well. Um, and, you know, I don't see uh, there being um, much in the way of, uh, of discussion point on increasing that budget anytime soon. Um, what, what I would really like to challenge, though, is the fact that the legislature, really, their job is to fund education, not tell people how to teach kids. That needs to be local control. That needs to be up to school boards. Um, and I think that the legislature needs to empower school boards to uh, to handle that situation. And then that's up to the local people who they elect to that school board. And that uh, that gives us very significant local control over what is happening in our schools and with our schools. Um, and I think that's what I hear from people. They want local control. The last thing that we've we've really uh, never touched on and and really I feel like is very important is the role of the parent in the education of children. And unfortunately, we have a parenting crisis in the state. And, uh, you know, my opponent says that we need to uh, give money to parents and uh, have them, you know, uh, spend, spend whatever they want on, on their uh, education. Well, that's assuming that every parent uh, is going to do the right thing by their kids. And unfortunately, we have a crisis in this state on that as well, where parents sometimes don't always make the best choices for their kids all and right. uh, don't have their best interest in mind all the time. And I wish that was the case, but we see uh, that that's not. Justin Ruffers, thank you. Uh, Ron Gillum, your thoughts on education um, and the education funding in the state. Uh, again, what you're advocating and what your thoughts are on how we fix the problem right now. I'm sorry, Ron. I, I'm sorry, Ron. Right. I, I, I go, go ahead and get started, Ron. I had you. I had you muted there. Okay. So uh, my opponent asked a question earlier. I'm going to answer that real quick. The Kenneth of Borough School District in my opinion, is probably the best district in the state. So um, I'm very happy with our teachers here. They're, they're great. As far as the funding goes, uh, last year, administration got a 19% raise. Our teachers got a 3%. The money's going where it shouldn't be going. So it's not getting to the classrooms. That's what needs to change. The money needs to get to the classrooms, and it's not doing that. Um, there again, it goes back to bad administration. So we need to fix that. And I absolutely agree we have too many districts, but you gotta understand we start cutting districts, there's gonna be people lose their jobs. It's just fact. 
you can't have you know go from 54 to 20 or whatever and keep those people on the books it just it's physically you know physically not responsible so if we do that which i agree with we should cut down some of the districts we don't need as many as we have i believe prince william sound or um, prince of wales island i believe has six districts that's kind of insane actually um, we have districts that have 100 students so they have a full administration for 100 students so we do need to fix that um, as far as the money following a child it's not just here's the money go spend it uh, the parents will have to go through an application and they will have to prove that they are responsible with that money and it only goes for educating their child so it's not just, you know, hand all of the parents the money and, you know, here it is. You do with it what you want willy nilly. No, that's not the way it works. It is uh, the parents will have to go through an application period, prove it that it is for the funding of the child and what schools are going to go to. And they have to be accepted. So it's, it's um, I said, there's a lot of paperwork there that they have to go through in order to fund the children as they need. Ron Gillum uh, answering our question there. Ron Gillum and Justin Ruffridge joining us as our guests here for this debate portion. Both of you have talked uh, a lot about, uh, you know, throughout the different answers about cuts. The size and scope of government, obviously, you think it needs to be cut back and it's too big. So my question is, where do we cut? Uh, you just both laid out some ideas for education, but obviously that's the number two. Health and social services is number one. Plus, we've got a lot of unfunded positions. We've got, I mean, there's a whole thing. We could do two hours just on the cuts potentially, but I need a quick rundown of some of the proposed cuts that you would think would make sense and have the least harmful effect on the state. Uh, so we'll start off this time with Ron. Uh, what are, in your thoughts, the best ways to make cuts to the state, the size and scope of state government? Well, the first thing we need to do is go through every, um, oh, I can't think of the word. It went brain dead. But uh, find all the efficiencies. If we have an unfunded position, get rid of it. So, I mean, they put take the money, set it aside in case they might need it later. And there, there are um, parts of our government that have, you know, 100, 200 of these positions. Those need to go away. So, you know, if we start doing that, then, uh, you know, it, it'll, it'll drop our budget. But, you know, we, we've, we have to find the efficiencies in every department. That's the word. But it's in each department, we'll have um, set money aside for future possible positions. Those need to go away. And, uh, you know, when I ran my business, I didn't set money aside in case I needed a future guide, I had the money, set it, you know, put it in savings, and if I needed a guide, then I had the money there. But uh, until we find every efficiency in this state, then you know we, in order to make the cuts, that's what we have to do. We have to find go through every department and find it, find the efficiencies. That's the only way to start out. Uh, all right, Ron, thank you so much. We go over to Justin. Efficiencies again, uh, things to find. How do we cut? What are your revenues? Uh, where do we where do we make those uh, changes and cuts? Uh, Justin Ruffridge. Yeah, thank you. I'm not entirely certain I heard any uh, proposed cuts in there, and I thought that was the uh, point of the question. But 
Um, I, I think that I've, I've alluded to this already in previous answers, but one of the areas that we absolutely can find uh, dollars that are being spent is in the health and social services budget. And I think uh, Michael, you, you mentioned that as well. It's huge. It's huge based off of per capita. It's huge just by, you know, the it's very nature. Um, it I think is one of the largest health and social services budgets per capita of any state in the union. Um, and one of the big reasons why it is that way is 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 a couple of reasons. One, um, in, and I think your listeners will appreciate certainly uh, hearing this, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of organizations, people, entities that make a living off of government and they upcharge government and they use government as their cash cow. Um, and insurance is one of the biggest uh, users and abusers of that program. Um, it's going to take a very, very diligent and difficult effort uh, to, to solve that problem. But our state overspends on healthcare um, to the hundreds of millions of dollars, and that is 100% uh, savings that could be realized if someone's willing to do the work and knows how to speak the language. Um, I have not heard from one other person yet a proposed um, upwards of $200 million cut to a budget uh, without significant alteration of services. I think we can do this job in this state incredibly uh, 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 cheaper, and I think we can do it better. Uh, but we are going to have to have people that know how to speak that language, do that work, get in there, and solve that problem. And again, I think that is uh, an area that I would excel at. All right, Justin Ruffridge, uh, we're coming up on the break here. i got time for one more question with a two-minute answer from each of you. Uh, the Constitutional Convention, it's a big question. We're hearing a lot of scary things on the radio. We're hearing a lot of people say we shouldn't do it, uh, and then some people are just saying we should do it, that obviously there's no political will to make the things happen that need to happen in the state. So we'll start off with Justin real quick. Your thoughts on the Constitutional Convention, the pros, the cons, and where will you be voting? What will you be supporting uh, in uh, in this venue? Well, first of all, I would really like to encourage uh, your listeners and the listeners later on Facebook uh, to to not be afraid, um, regardless of what you're hearing from the pro side or the con side. Th there's nothing to be afraid about uh, with the constitutional convention. Uh, there's also nothing to be afraid about if a constitutional convention doesn't get called. Um, what I will say to you is that should one get called and I am your legislator and your representative, I will absolutely work diligently to ensure that it is run efficiently, that we have a, a plan in place for how to elect delegates, and that we don't overspend on having the Constitutional Convention. That being said, I think one of the big problems that I have with the Constitutional Convention is the same thing that we see in the legislature, which is division and unwillingness to work together um, my personal opinion on what I think happens should a constitutional convention get called is three to four years of, uh, of people trying to come up with solutions and wanting to get certain things changed in the Constitution, uh, and then uh, it being brought forward to a vote of the people, and probably ending up with almost the exact same Constitution that we had to begin with. Um, that's, that's just my own personal opinion on that. Um, so. You know, the question is, is do we want to spend money and time and uh, go through the energy and mental effort of trying to do that? Um, for me, I, I'm i okay, honestly, with where we're at right now. I'll probably be a, a no vote. 
Um, the truth is, is I could be convinced either way, but um, I haven't exactly been convinced that that the Constitution needs adjusted at the moment, especially given the uh, the level of partisanship and division that that are occurring within all aspects of Alaskan life. Um, and I worry that we would waste the time and come out with the exact same thing at the end. All right, Justin Ruffridge, thank you so much. Ron Gillum, your thoughts on the Constitutional Convention, your position on it, uh, the pros and cons, and what you see. Well, like you in the beginning, I was against it because I was afraid of this, the rights we may lose. But doing more digging into it and more I talk about it, more people I talk to, um, I'm going to put my trust in the people of the, of the state of Alaska. Because, you know, as far as the delegates go, you will choose who the delegates are. You will vote for them. So to do the Constitutional Convention, the people of Alaska are going to have the final say. Um, anything that comes out of the convention would go to a vote of the people. If you don't like it, vote it down. If you do like it, vote it up. Um, my main reason for uh, wanting the Constitutional Convention is our judicial system. Uh, the way that we choose judges is wrong. People have no say in that. And so maybe with the Constitutional Convention, we can change that because to get 27 in the, in the, um, in the House and 14 in the Senate is not going to happen. They cannot come together. Um, you know, there, it goes back to that rule of 21. And, uh, you know, there is no political will in Juno to cut their own power. It's not going to happen. So I am all for putting it into the hands of the people, let them vote on it, let them make the decision. I will trust the people in the state of Alaska before I will trust the legislature. They just don't have the political will to cut their own power. And uh, so I will vote yes on this constitutional convention and I hope it passes. All right, Ron Gillum, our guest, uh, as along with Justin Ruffridge, we're debating uh, right now on the uh, state of the state and what needs to come forward. We're going to continue here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Back with more in just a moment. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the break right now, uh, continuing with uh, Justin Ruffridge and Ron Gillum, uh, our guests. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next question um, and uh, and talk a little bit about uh, the you know proposed, if we can't get the cuts, what about proposed revenues? And I know that that's a big uh, sticking point for many people. Um, as to uh, you know whether or not we should have some other form of revenue, whether it's a new tax on the oil companies, whether it's a tax on people, whether it's a, you know no user fees or whatever it is. So new proposed revenues in the state of Alaska, Justin. We start with you. What say you about new proposed revenues in the state? What what would you propose as a new revenue, or what would you support? Well, first thing, let me just get that out of the way quickly. Is I am not in support of any new taxes. Uh, to the people of Alaska. Uh, there was a great report done by a one of the Alaska policy working groups, 
And it did uh, a number of great analyses on what would happen if you decided to tax uh, income in this state. Uh, the truth is, is because we have such a small number of people uh, here, the tax rate in order to cover the gap in uh, our budget crisis uh, would be astronomical. We would be the highest taxed state um, in, in the union if, if, we, if we used income tax to do that. So that conversation honestly needs to go away and it, and it needs to not come back up again. It, it's not tenable. Uh, the truth is, is that revenue in this state is resource dependent. Uh, we absolutely need to encourage resource development uh, and uh, we need to encourage it in all, all aspects, whether that's oil and gas, uh, mining, fishing industry, tourism. Uh, that's where a bulk of our revenue comes from. And we really need to own that. And I think Alaskans do. Um, but we need to fight for our ability to um, manage our lands um, and we need to fight for our ability to uh, extract our resources. Um, I am a huge uh, proponent of, uh, of um, increasing our infrastructure in the um, resources industry. I think it's time for a pipeline for liquid natural gas uh, production. Uh, I think there's an opportunity there for some increased revenue. I also think that we are a, um, uh, a state that's poised uh, in a very uh, unique position in the world, and we can leverage that uh, not only for cargo, but also for data. Um, we're moving into uh, the data world. Um, I think we have, if we could increase our fiber optic speed and data speed, we have a lot of land and cool temperatures and could be a great place for servers and other types of things in the data world but that would be for the future. A quick follow-up question. Do you feel that the PFD cut is a tax on people, a stealth tax or a hidden tax, so to speak? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's 100% what it is. Okay. Ron Gillum, the same question to you. Uh, new revenue potentials. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, your, your, your take on it. Well, um, as my opponent said, I am absolutely against income tax. If we implement an income tax, we, are, we will have an exodus from this state. Um, I have heard that over and over and over. Uh, and until we find all the efficiencies in every department, I will not vote for any kind of a, a tax. Um, you know, uh, as was stated, we are a resource state. Open up our resources. Um, get more oil going through the pipeline. And we were pumping, you know, over a million barrels a day. And now we're down to 500,000. I believe at the peak, we were over 2 million barrels a day. But, you know, we need to get fill the pipeline back up. And, uh, you know, as far as the LNG pipeline goes, as long as the state is not funding it, um, I am 100% behind it. It needs to be private industry. Um, precious metals. Alaska has every precious metal that we use in uh, on anything, gold. Um, platinum, copper, silver. We have all that. Open it up. Let's use that. Let's take the revenue we get from that and, you know, it'll help fund our state. Um, you know, with, with what we have 300,000 maybe workers in the state. And so we can't tax them enough to cover all of the infrastructure that we have. That is just fact. <clears throat> so we need to um, diversify. We need to open our resources and we need, that's where we're going to have to get our refund. Our, our funds is from our resources. We're a resource state. Let's, let's, let's get it. Ron Gillum uh, and Justin Ruffridge, our guest, we're getting ready to jump back into it. The Michael Duke show, common sense radio. 
All right, uh, back now, uh, the Michael Duke Show in our debate for House District 7. Ron Gillum, Justin Ruffridge, our guests. Uh, I'm opening up the phone lines right now, 907-433-3150. We're going to have time for probably one or two calls, 907-433-3150. Remember, you will be polite or you will get the axe. So that's going to be the first thing. Before we jump into the phone calls, though, I have one final question, the Charter of Changes. I'm hoping both of you are familiar with the Charter of Changes. Uh, Charter of Changes include four changes, changing the players, changing the venue, the venue being moving the the, uh, uh, legislative session to the road system, changing the rules, meaning no binding caucus, conflict of interest applies to the legislature like it does to everyone else, and the Open Meetings Act applies to everyone else. And then the fourth one is changing the funding. Uh, So I want to get your take on uh, if you support the Charter of Changes or not. Uh, We're going to do two minutes or less uh, so we can get to some phone calls. We'll start with Ron Gillum. Ron, your thoughts. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I told you before, I agree with it. Uh, the one thing we got to be careful of is changing the players. We can't just change out players because they're there. Um, there are some good people in Juno, and we can't change them out and go backwards. So we're going to have to be real careful and choose who gets replaced. Um, Louis, you know, our speaker needs to be replaced. Uh, there is a lot of the people in the majority need to be replaced. So uh, we have to be careful with that. Um, as far as moving in, we don't need to move the capital. We need to move the legislative sessions into Anchorage or someplace on the road system where people have access to us. And uh, as an example, when the budget came up last year, we were inundated with special interests, emails coming to our door, you know, wanting us to, to not concur with the budget. But the money was there for the budget. And you know, we had a bonus and we were going to pay the full dividend lawful dividend for the first time in seven years, but we were inundated with emails, um, phone calls, and people coming to the door to say, don't, you know, don't concur. Um, so that, you know, we need to move the legislative session onto the road system. Um, trying to think what the rest of the charter changes are. Changing that the rules. That was the two main ones. Changing the rules and uh, binding caucus and so on. Okay, the binding caucus needs to go away. Um, no other state has it. As a matter of fact, some of the other legislators that were spoken to in other states said, well, they would go to jail for that if they did that. So that binding caucus needs to go away. And, uh, you know, as far as Open Meetings Act, when you're doing things behind closed doors uh, in a Senate, even one of the, uh, the finance president actually barred the door put a broomstick in the door so nobody could get in or out. So that we need to have the Open Meetings Act. We need to have access to our representatives. Uh, all right. Uh, same to you, Justin Ruffridge. Your thoughts on the Charter of Changes? Uh, what, what, uh, what's your take on it? Uh, well, actually, uh, Michael, I'm really excited to hear about this Charter of Changes. Uh, I have, I'm not familiar with that. Um, and it's really interesting. I feel like um, I have directed a lot of conversation towards the Charter of Changes in my personal life for uh, a number of years. I've been shocked that uh, as a city council person, I am absolutely bound to the Open Meetings Act and uh, was shocked that that did not apply to the legislature. Uh, I was extremely frustrated for the last couple of years as a constituent uh, attempting to find out what's happening or why it's happening. Uh, and feeling like there was a lot of information I just didn't get to see or hear. 
Um, I also uh, share the frustration of many people in Alaska that the, that the legislative session should be closer to uh, the road system uh, and be more accessible. Um, and, and frankly, uh, there isn't anything in the charter uh, that you've mentioned thus far, Michael, that I would, uh, that I would actively uh, campaign against or fight against. I think that uh, um, binding caucuses are, are not efficient um, and uh, really put uh, people in a bad situation. Uh, so I'm not in favor of those either. And uh, I think the, the, the charter of changes, uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm running um and i'm not the incumbent so i guess i i'm i'm okay with changing the players as well um and i think uh, actually i think our government was set up to have the players change on a regular basis um, because uh, fresh faces and fresh ideas uh, are always um are always a good thing in a democracy uh we are not designed to you know march forward in an ever steady direction uh it's supposed to be hard to change things uh, heard a lot today about there's no political will to do things. Well, um, you know, I, I'm okay with things moving slowly sometimes, but we need to have a clear direction and a clear plan. Uh, all right, Justin Ruffridge, thank you so much. Let's go over to the phones and we'll take a call here uh, for a question for both candidates and we'll give them a chance to respond to that. We'll start off over here. I need to know who you are and where you're calling from and you can ask your question. Good morning, caller. Good morning, Michael. This is Carlene in Kodiak. Good morning, Carlene. Thank you for being Michael. Um, I'm curious about bills that were introduced and passed by private citizen Justin Ruffridge, and then why did one put against very quickly? I'm sorry, you're breaking up. The bills passed, the bills written and passed by Justin Ruffridge. Is that what you're asking about, Carlene? Yes. What were they? Okay. All right. Thank you for your call, Carlene. Uh, Justin, you want to respond to that? I know that you helped craft some bills and want to talk about that. Uh, give me, uh, t- give us a, a, a shot at it and uh, tell us what it was about. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Carlene, for the question. Um, so in the last legislative session, uh, there were two bills that uh, I was working on. Uh, House Bill 145, uh, which was uh, regarding the capacity of uh, pharmacy workers, so pharmacists, pharmacy technicians, and interns, uh, and what their abilities were uh, when it when it came to patient services and independently providing some of those services, uh, things like emergency medications like EpiPens and Narcan, uh, vaccinations, as well as uh, r- uh, limited um, uh, diagnostics, things that have a, a CLIA wave test, so flu, strep, uh, and COVID testing. Um, those were uh, some things, as well as opening up the ability for pharmacy interns uh, to have a little more uh, uh, capacity to practice in the state and uh, increased our ability of pharmacy technicians, particularly those with national certification uh, to be able to perform certain tasks in our state. Uh, House Bill uh, 306 was an extension bill, uh, was extending the Board of Pharmacy uh, and its ability to regulate and license pharmacists, interns, and technicians in the state. This is something that happens every few years. You have to go through an audit as the chairman of the Board of Pharmacy. It was my responsibility to perform the audit and then bring forward a piece of legislation to extend the board uh, to ensure that the practice of pharmacy was uh, done safely and efficiently in our state. And then House Bill 240 was one uh, that I had worked on in the previous legislative session, 
this was uh, our first crack at trying to uh, um, deal with some of these insurance issues that we face in our state, um, actually working on a draft bill um, that's going to um, potentially add on to that. But um, in, the, in the upcoming session, but House, still, House Bill 240 was, uh, was working against some of the practices of insurance companies that are egregious. All right, let's go back to the phones. Another call here to see what uh, folks have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? What's your question? Randy in Fairbanks. Randy. And my question is, would you, would you ever consider uh, modifying the Public Employment Relations Act, which was passed by the Alaska legislature in 1972 and which brought about collective bargaining for government workers, would you ever consider modifying it so that a municipality that is under the Public Employment Relations Act could get out of it if the city council voted that way, because right now, once they're in it, they're stuck. Okay. Uh, thank you, Randy. I appreciate your call. Uh, we'll start off with Ron this time. Para, the Public Employees Relation Act, would you give them an opportunity to uh, to change out or give them an opportunity to change it? Uh, I've got a minute, 30 seconds on the clock. Uh, what do you say, Ron? Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Uh, if they don't want to be in on it, they should be able to step out. But that is a um, municipality question. It's not up to the state, but, uh, you know, they're the ones that make that decision. So, um, but yeah, I would, I would say, yeah, they, they should have, be able to have that choice. Um, you know, we have state government, we have local government, we have, you know, uh, federal government. So, uh, you know, one doesn't overrule the other. And, uh, you know, so if, uh, if a municipality wants to get out of collective bargaining, they should be able to. Okay. Well, Justin Ruffridge, same question to you. Uh, the para, uh, para uh, should uh, uh, municipalities be able to leave? Should they be able to decide on how their bargaining occurs? Uh, what do you say? Yeah, I, I actually, having been involved in municipal government for quite some time, um, am am unfamiliar as to why a municipality would would want to do that. Um, it seems like collective bargaining, in in my experience at the municipal level, um, is something that uh, occurs without a lot of issue or trouble. So, certainly would appreciate the caller uh, maybe giving uh, some background. That he's welcome to email me, uh, ruffridgeak at gmail .com and uh, discuss that further. I'd like to know some of the background behind that. Um, that being said, I'm, I'm not particularly beholden uh, to um, that, that act. Um, certainly would be happy to look at that and address some of the concerns and issues that are, that are presenting themselves somewhere. It sounds like uh, the caller had some sort of experience uh, with it. Uh, that being said, you know, I think municipalities uh, and having uh experience in a municipality is is incredibly important um and you know I'm, I'm hearing my opponent say that's not really a state issue well as the representative for two municipalities in district seven kenai and soldatna i think it's very much our issue um it's our responsibility to have good relationships and understand well how municipalities function what their issues are and what the our us as representatives can do to help uh, municipalities, um, you know, do their jobs better. Um, and I think that's a, a, a big function of a representative. 
Uh, Justin Ruffridge and Ron Gillum are our guests. Uh, we're continuing. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will have uh, some quick questions from each candidate. And then final closing thoughts. It is the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We're going to continue in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Back with more right after this. What is that? Common sense. Regularly heard on American radio. Michael Duke Show. Radio. Okay, we're in the commercial break right now. I've got one more line on hold, so we're going to ask one more question here uh, from the callers, and we'll see what they have to say. Uh, good morning, caller. Who's this? Where are you calling from? What's your question? Yeah, this is Ray from North Pole. Okay, Ray, go ahead. Yeah, Ron, uh, Gillum, I hope uh, in your race you beat the pants off of your opponent. Is there a question in that? Is there a question in that, Rick? <laughs> no, I just uh, want him to know we. Uh, I'm glad he's got the ear of the people. Okay. All right. Well, thank th- you. Thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Um, if anybody from the chat room uh, wants to uh, call in at 907-433-3150, we'll have time for one quick question and answer from the candidates on either one of these issues. Um, I would love to hear what you have to say again, 907-433-3150. We almost got through everything that was on my list here um, uh, for, uh, for questions. Let me see. Did I get, uh, yep. We kind of covered that, covered that, covered that. All right. Uh, so I guess the last question that I will ask is about medical freedom. Um, I know there's been a lot of contentiousness since COVID struck. Uh, there's been talk about people, whether or not they should have a vaccine mandate, whether or not they should be allowed to take uh, alternative treatments like hydrochloroquine or hydroxychloroquine or uh, ivermectin. And so I want to get <clears throat> both takes on this. We'll start with Justin and uh, get his take on this. We don't have a lot of time. We got about uh, a minute and a half for each of you to answer on this. So, Justin, we'll start with you. Your take on medical freedom and alternative medicine potentials and everything else here. Your shot. Yeah, well, this is certainly an area that uh, my opponent loves to, uh, you know, spread some information about me that is absolutely incorrect. Um, the day that uh, vaccine mandates came out in our country as a healthcare provider, especially when Joe Biden looked into the screen and said, this is a disease of the unvaccinated, was a bad day. Uh, it made my job incredibly difficult as a person that tries to provide uh, unbiased and uh, clear information to people which I felt like my staff and I did at an extremely high level during COVID. Um, We were consistent in our messaging uh, about vaccines being available, but not required. Uh, We dealt with many, many people who were afraid, uh, both of COVID and of vaccines, um, and and tried to provide even uh, tempered, clear direction uh, and understanding to people so they could make an informed decision. And I think that's all that can be asked is informed decisions. As far as alternative treatments go, um, you know, one of the biggest things that uh, um, was an inhibitory uh, factor in uh, in COVID was how political things got. Uh, I had multiple members of the legislature show up to board of pharmacy meetings demanding one way or another that the board of pharmacy tell people what to do. Um, my opponent actually brought forward a bill trying to mandate what pharmacists can and cannot dispense. Uh, 
Um, this is healthcare should not be political. Um, people should be able to go to their doctor, get a prescription, fill the prescription. And that's absolutely what I stand for. Anything that says otherwise is an out and out lie. And I'm actually getting kind of tired of it. Okay, uh, Ron Gillum, your thoughts on medical freedom, alternative uh, 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 solutions, anything else, your thoughts on that? Well, um, it should be our choice. And, uh, you know, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. I, that's up to you. Um, my opponent voted three different times to keep the people in Soldatna in mask. It is on record. He voted twice to extend the uh, emergency mandate, uh, which kept businesses shut down. And, uh, but, you know, um, there again, going back to my constituents, I had multiple people get in touch with me saying they wanted to try ivermectin and uh, hydrochloroquine that was available. Um, my opponent refused to give that. And, uh, you know, Alaska is a right to try state. And that should be our choice of anything we want to try. Uh, ivermectin was shown that it was working against this virus. But when you, when they would go to the pharmacy and the the pharmacist would not give it to them, where's that? Where's our uh, right to try? I mean, that's that's going against our constitutional rights of, of a right to try state. So, you know, I am for medical freedom. Um, if you want to wear a mask, that's fine. Wear a mask. If you want to try uh, hydrochloroquine and ivermectin, that should be your choice. It shouldn't be up to the, you know, and if the pharmacist in his heart cannot give it, then he should tell people, I can't do it. But if you go to this other pharmacy, they can maybe help you. Uh, all right, Ron Gillum. Uh, thank you. Uh, we are coming back to the break. We're going to give a chance. Both candidates are going to get a chance for closing arguments, which could include rebuttals on anything that was said throughout the last uh, two hours or so here on the program. Do me a favor, folks. Uh, if you would, please, would you uh, like and share this video, like and follow the show page. Uh, again, special thanks to Satellite West for helping to sponsor the program today. Man, so many dings going on right now. Uh, we're about ready to rejoin the radio, and we're going to uh, kick this things off one final segment ahead. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Here we go. All right, one final segment here on the program this morning, our special debate edition for House District 7. We are joined this morning by both Justin Ruffridge and Ron Gillum, who are both running for uh, uh, the seat. Ron is the incumbent. Justin is the challenger. Uh, this is the opportunity. I'm going to give both of you a chance to ask a question of the previous uh, of the other candidate from anything that was discussed previously. And we'll get a minute, 30 seconds for the response before we go into cl closing arguments. Try and keep your questions concise because we only have about uh, 11 minutes here before we got to go for the day. So we'll start off with uh, we'll start off with Ron uh, this uh, this go around. Ron, a uh, question for Justin uh, that uh, maybe something I didn't ask or something that you heard during this uh, interview or debate, um, and uh, we'll give Justin a minute 30 to respond. All right. Well, actually, I only want to ask one question, and he has been asked this numerous times, but I'm asking it a little bit different way. I would like to know, and the people would like to know, 
what you found appropriate about the Drag Queen show. What part of that show did you find appropriate? And you're discussing the Drag Queen show that took place in the Soldatna Park that raised a bunch of ire down there in the Kenai. Um, okay, so we'll yes, exactly. Okay, so we'll go to Justin. Justin, your thoughts on this and your response. Well, so of all the issues that we've discussed here today, um, budget policy, fiscal plan, PFD, education, um, drag queen show was the question. Um, this is a political stunt. First of all, I can't speak to the drag queen show uh, because I wasn't at the drag queen show. So potentially my opponent could fill me in on uh, what exactly he's asking. But I think what you're referencing is the three second clip of the drag queen show that found its way to social media and went widely around. Um, and I've been very clear from day one that I hear people and people are not and they're not happy about what happened in the park. And as a municipal officer and a city council member, the first thing you do is start going to work on that issue and you start drafting policy, which is currently happening. Uh, to address what can happen into the park, why it happens, who's in charge of it. Uh, and frankly, Mr. Gillum, your calls to fire our city manager in Soldatna were unfounded, ridiculous, and have no idea how municipal government works. First of all, our city manager doesn't approve or disapprove of things that happen in the park, nor does the city council. And if you think we can snap our fingers and make a change on what happens in a park, um, I, I mean, the First Amendment would have something to say about that, I think. And so you have to be diligent in your approach to how you address these issues. So, um, frankly, I think your question was a little unfounded, but happy to answer it and certainly happy to talk to you any other time uh, besides this. All right. So uh, now, Justin, your turn for a question to Ron Gillum, and we'll give him a minute, 30 seconds to answer before we go into closing comments. Yeah, I asked it earlier, um, and I think you tried to answer it, but all you said was that teachers in our uh, district are the best teachers. Uh, you've said over and over and over again uh, here and in other places that, um, you know, we that people are leaving our state because of bad administration. Um, teachers are leaving our school district because of bad administration. I would like an answer from you. Is the administration, because people are leaving the KPBSD, teachers are leaving the Kenai Peninsula School District. Is it because our administration in the school district is, as you say, bad? All right, Ron, your chance to respond to that. Go ahead. No, I don't feel, uh, feel that the uh, Kenai Peninsula Borough School District administration is bad, but people leaving, teachers leaving is personal choice. And, uh, you know, it goes back to that defined benefit. Um, Alaska is the only state that has that defined benefit. So if teachers are leaving, going to other states, they're going to a defined contribution state. Um, there again, when the administration gets a 19% raise and teachers only get 3%, you know, that, that's a little bit lopsided. Um, you know, Alaska teachers are the 10th highest paid in the nation. And uh, so I, I can't see where, um, Teachers are leaving because of funding, but, uh, you know, they have their own personal reasons for leaving and it's a personal choice, but, uh, you know, no, I, like I said, I think my, both of my kids are products of the Kenai Peninsula school district. They both are doing great. Um, I know a lot of people here that work locally that, uh, you know, are graduates, graduates from Saldana, Kenai, 
uh, Nikiski. But, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. No, I, I feel that probably Kenai Peninsula Borough School District is probably the best district in the state. And I've heard this from many other people. So it's not just um, my personal feelings. It is others saying the same thing. Uh, all right, uh, Ron Gillum, thank you so much. So let's move on now to closing comments here. We're going to have about three minutes uh, for each of the closing comments. And we'll start off as we did at the very beginning with Justin, and then we'll finish up with Ron. Justin, uh, your closing thoughts, comments, uh, pitches, whatever you need to do, this is your time to uh, shine here in that regard. Uh, well, thank you, Michael. And first of all, want to thank you again for the opportunity to come on this program um, I'm going to start um, here uh, about things that were said close to the end of the program and work my way backwards. Um, my opponent brought up mask mandates, and I understand that my opponent has spent a lot of time in Juno, being the highest per diem taker of any of the state legislators. Um, you know, maybe he wasn't quite aware of what was happening in the town of uh, Kenai and Soldatna. Soldatna has never had a mask mandate. A citywide mask mandate was introduced by two city council members and was voted down uh, actually even before it made it to the agenda. I think what he's referencing about me voting three times for is um, limited masking inside city buildings during the Delta wave because we were having multiple city employees uh, go out ill and we wanted to keep services open for our community. So that was police, that was the library, and that was city hall. Um, and so it was a limited ask for masking that went away as soon as we had um, uh, less people that were more likely to close down our city services. Businesses shut down. We didn't have any businesses shut down. We, there was no mandate to shut down businesses in Kenai or Soldatna. In fact, I can share widely on my Facebook an email that I sent to our uh, borough mayor about keeping businesses open. In fact, I spent a huge amount of my energy and effort volunteering to help businesses stay open. And I can give you list after list of people that I wrote protocols for and help them stay open. Um, one of the questions that I had uh, for my opponent, and maybe he can address in his closing comments is, on his plan for education, what happens if kids don't get accepted into the plan when they fill out the paperwork? Where does the money go then? And you mentioned a lot that you trust in the people. And again, I think that your record shows that maybe you don't necessarily trust in the people. You have plans to repeal a vote of the people in the legislature. Uh, I think that that is wrong. If, if people vote on it, then we need to respect that vote or bring it back for a vote. And I wanna be very clear on that. Also, it seems that in the chat going on on Facebook, um, maybe uh, Mrs. Gillum has some things to say about the shot clinic that I operated down at the Y in Soldatna. Um, that was not a volunteer operation. There was a lot of volunteering that I did during COVID, but that certainly wasn't one. That was a grant funded uh, um, uh, shot clinic where I hired nurses and people to administer shots to people that wanted them. Uh, and so nurses don't work for free. So we paid nurses to do that and then we rented space to do it. Uh, all that being said, uh, fiscal planning is absolutely my priority. It's one of the reasons that I'm running. We need to have a plan in the state. We need to have a plan for my kids, for my grandkids. And uh, we absolutely need to give people a reason to stay in Alaska. And without a clear plan from our state officials and our state government and willingness to go get the job done, we won't have it. And please vote for me November 8th because that is who, who I am and what I stand for is getting work done. And I think you can see my record states that. Thank you, Justin Ruffridge. Ron Gillum, three minutes, closing thoughts. Well, um, 
you know, we can't keep changing out players every two years. Uh, we can't build a relationship that we need to. Um, you know, I'm, I've, after two years, I'm starting to get a little bit of a seniority. So uh, I will get better chairmanships. And, uh, you know, that's the way you get things done. And if you go back down, you know, if we send a new person down, he's going to be a freshman. He's not going to get the chairmanships. Eh, maybe. But, uh, you know, building those relationships takes time. So, um, you know, we need to have people who will stick to their word, which I have. And, you know, as far as my records go, um, you know, every bill that I have put forward has came from constituents who got in touch with me and said, can you do this? Can you do this? And so it's not my doings. It is my constituents that are asking for that. And, uh, you know, I put a bill forward to name a day after Hobo Jim and one of my opponent's uh, donors kept it in his drawer and it never came out and it died. So, uh, you know, we need people who can actually work together and that for the good of Alaska, not for their own personal gain. Um, I'm not saying he's doing that, but, you know, this is, uh, it's been done before. So, um, he, he asked a question and I couldn't remember what it was, but, um, you know, I have stuck to my word. I told you I would not join the binding caucus. I did not. And, you know, I will work for the good of, the, of Alaska for all Alaskans and, uh, you know, especially for our kids. So, um, on November 8th, I would ask for your vote, send me back down, and I will continue to work for all Alaskans. Uh, that's, this is not for me. Um, you know, I, I was enjoying what I was doing running heavy equipment. So, um, you know, like I said on November 8th, I would appreciate your vote. Send me back to Juneau. Send me back to my uh, minority caucus. Make us a majority caucus. We will get things done for you. Uh, we have a plan going forward, but it's going to take people to stick together to do that. And uh, I think I am the one to go back to continue going forward as far as uh, a fiscal responsibility. Um, we have people that have that. And, uh, you know, I, like I said, I feel that I am the one that needs to go down to keep this going forward. So on November 8th, I would uh, appreciate your vote. Thanks. Folks, out of time, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. All right, uh, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, two minutes. Uh, final bite at the apple. Uh, any other closing comments? Any other thoughts? Any Anything else? Two minutes apiece. Um, I usually give candidates in the final break of the show, I usually give them the last two minutes for roundup for anything we didn't cover, anything else that, uh, that happened or didn't happen. And uh, so we'll uh, start again, uh, this time with Ron, and we'll finish up with Justin. And uh, we'll uh, we'll get ready to sign off. So, Ron, uh, your thoughts? Uh, anything else that we missed? Anything that you didn't get to? Just anything? Two minutes. Uh, the floor is yours. Well, I appreciate you doing this, Michael. Um, I know it's kind of basically short notice, but I appreciate my opponent being here. But um, I think we covered you know pretty much everything that's important, and uh, I know we cover a lot that's important to me. So. Um, I don't really have a whole lot more to say. Uh, 
you know, I would just ask that uh, the, uh, you know, I'm appreciative of the questions that are asked on Facebook and, uh, you know, um, anyway, I hope everybody has a good day. And um, like I said, I appreciate you doing this, Michael. And, and, uh, all right, that's probably about it. That's probably about it. Where do they find you, Ron? What's your website? How do folks find out more about you? Um, Gillum for house. It's Gillum for number four house at uh, gillumforhouse.com. They can call me at area code 907-953-6525, or they can send me an email at gillumforhouse at yahoo.com, and it's gillumfor house at yahoo.com. All right, gillumforhouse.com. We'll post that link up into the chat room right now. Folks can go check it out there. Now we go over to Justin. Uh, reset the timer here. Justin, two minutes. Any thoughts, whatever it is, websites, meet and greets, the whole deal. Hit me with it. Yeah, and I, I do want to say thank you again uh, to you, Michael. Um, and I, I certainly uh, really enjoy uh, the opportunity uh, to debate and to get some of these issues aired out. Um, the truth is, is I've spent a lot of time uh, and energy in the last six months talking to people. Um, and what I hear from people is pretty simple. They are looking for someone who is responsive, uh, who answers their phone calls and emails. They're looking for someone who can take a professional approach uh, to legislation, uh, to issues that are facing our state, really dig in and uh, and find solutions to problems, to real problems. Um, and really they're looking for somebody who is reasonable and who takes a reasonable approach and a long-term approach to things, uh, not the snap reaction judgment that we get so many times from people that serve in the legislature. Uh, we have to have a plan for the state, a plan that lasts 10, 15, 20 years um, and longer. And we've really missed that. Uh, for the last uh, the last few years. So um, I, I absolutely know that I am the right choice uh, to make in this election. Uh, appreciate your vote November 8th. If you would like to know more about me, I have a lot of information on my website. Uh, thank you to my brother who helped teach me how to uh, put websites together. That has come in uh, handy big time. Uh, I get to, uh, you know, I get my uh, get my coding skills on, uh, making my website, but I've put a lot of effort into it. It is at vote Ruffridge, which is R U F F R I D G E.com. You can call me at 907-953-3727 or email me at Ruffridge AK at gmail.com. I love to talk to people. I think it's the important part of this job and hope to talk to you. All right, Ron Gillum, <clears throat> Justin Ruffridge, I want to say thank you to both of you for coming on the program, uh, for being civil and and uh, having uh, you know good answers and spending the two hours with me here. I think this is important. To me, it is the most – I just remembered what the question was that I was going to ask in the first debate, and this is a good time to ask it real quick. And this is kind of a yes or no thing because I think one of you intimated that that's part of the job is being able to be out there in the public eye to be able to answer questions. And so I would ask you that if uh, – Either one of you were elected, would uh, would e would each of you agree to come on the program once a month 
and spend uh, 45 minutes with me talking about whatever the issue of the day is, talking about whatever the hot button thing is or the latest piece of legislation, would you agree to coming on the program every month, three weeks, somewhere in there to discuss with the people of the Kenai who are listening on the radio and on Facebook and YouTube and everywhere else what's going on? Uh, Ron, I'll start with you. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, um, you know, I've been on your show before, and, and I'll come on once a week if I need to. So, okay, um, and I'm more than happy to do that. Okay, uh, and Justin, your thoughts? I mean, coming back on, talking to people, you know, having your feet held to the fire, so to speak, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's the job. Uh, happy to, and uh, actually, I it, should I be elected that you would be, I think, the second radio program that I would make that commitment to. So. Um, ha- happy to do it. I think it's very important. Okay. All right. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming on board again. The civility is great. Uh, and I appreciate you being part of this again. I, uh, I haven't done a debate in probably 10 or 12 years on the air. So this was a uh, kind of a interesting, it's always quiet. Cause I just got to ask the questions and be quiet. I can't comment. So it's always a, it's always an exciting time for me to try and hold my mouth when I'm, when I'm doing things, but, uh, it was good. I think it's good information and this video will be up and available for everybody to watch later on, on Facebook and on YouTube. So you guys, and the podcast, of course, <clears throat> which will go up here in the next five minutes, uh, put folks get a chance to hear it. And, uh, but my, uh, my thanks to both of you for coming on board and, joining us today and being part uh, of the program and the experience. Thank you, guys. For the record, you're a great moderator. You should do it more. <laughs> it's, it's too stressful yep. for me. Too stressful. You've done a great job. All right. Well, thank you, Ron. Thank you, uh, Justin. Appreciate you guys coming on board with us this morning. Folks, we are out of time. Yeah, baby. That's it for today. The Michael Duke Show continues. If you want to help support the show, become a member of the Common Sense Corps. Go to patreon.com slash Michael Duke Show. You can help support the show for as little as a cup of coffee a month. You'll get access to our private Facebook page. You get access to swag, coffee mugs, T-shirts, the whole schmear, and all that. We appreciate you guys coming on. Thank you for being part of it today. We look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. On the program with us tomorrow uh, is going to be David Nelson and Mia Costello, both running for office there. Appreciate you being part of it. I'm glad we got through this today. Seemed to work out okay. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.